You are listening to the Fantasy Alarm Fantasy Football Podcast with John Pemba and Andrew Cooper. What's going on, everybody? John Pemba here with Andrew Cooper. Welcome into the Quick Out Fantasy Football Podcast. We are here previewing week two of the NFL season. Coop, it was a fun week one, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's that's the beauty of uh, football, is that we never know what's going to happen. If everything went the way we thought it was going to happen, this game would be stupid. It wouldn't even be fun to play fantasy football. So I'm glad it was crazy. I'm glad it was chaos. Let's get into it. Yeah, so if you're familiar with this podcast, we're going to go through every game. We're going to hit the top stories, the guys we're looking at to play, the guys we're looking at to sit, and we're going to run it down through you, give our unique perspective on each matchup that's going to be on the NFL Week 2 slate. We're going to start off here, Thursday Night Football, Los Angeles Chargers against the Kansas City Chiefs. Chiefs are given 3.5 points as a home favorite, 54.5 game total in this one. Biggest news story, I think, coming into this one, Chargers are unlikely going to be with Keenan Allen. He injured his hamstring. I haven't seen the official ruled out yet. More so, the reports have been that he's unlikely to suit up. But that is obviously a big blow for the Chargers in Week 1. Kansas City just hung up a bunch of points on the Cardinals in their Week 1 matchup. So, Chargers now going to divisional opponent against Kansas City Week 2 without maybe their top receiver. Yeah, the good thing for this game is that because it's Thursday, we already have a the first injury report. We know that Keenan Allen did not participate. Darn, Donald Parham did not participate. J.C. Jackson with an ankle, not a participant. On the Chiefs side, Juju was limited. Harrison Butker out with an ankle. Anyone that watched that game this week knows that they did not have a kicker, so had some interesting scenarios come up. But yeah, so Keenan Allen, he himself said there's a small possibility that he plays, but the beat reporters are all suggesting that the team is practicing as if he will not be playing. So boost to Mike Williams. Gerald Everett is going to be a guy we're recommending to add if you need someone safe to start for the time being. Don't know how great he's going to be when, you know, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, and Austin Eckler are all on the field. But for now, it's a high-volume pass attack, and they're missing a guy. So good start there. On the Chiefs side, we know who the main characters are, but do you? who do you like after juju and kelsey is there anybody that you're even considering starting or is it just like yeah. Mahomes said i mean I, th- I think some water was thrown on the sky more fans out there after week one michael hardman obviously got some work and marcus valdez Scanlon got some work so but that's it's hard to obviously trust really anybody outside of the way kelsey played and juju signing up it feels like it's just going to be a little bit inconsistent until it kind of worked itself out i mean ceh for crying out loud had two receiving touchdowns so one of them was obviously on the shuffle pass that they kind of as a passing play but yeah i think there's gonna be a lot of inconsistency with those other wide receivers outside of juju and kelsey yeah the thing with uh, the shuffle pass is that it's not a fluke play for this team that's an integral part of their right. offense it's usually kelsey and they, they mix everybody in but the fact that they went to ch for with one of their patented shovel passes is a beautiful thing and i mean and that also pads the stat for patrick mahomes that's how you get to 50 touchdowns right there exactly a little underhand tosses around the goal line what do you make of Pacheco? He had a role. A lot of they scored a touchdown late in that game. It was a blowout. Do you think that he was more so getting run because it was a blowout? Or do you think that he is in this running back rotation? I think he mostly played because it was garbage time. But that said, he looks like he's the change of pace guy. So in a normal game, he's probably not going to lead the team in carries. But he could be a guy that you mix in. It could be a zero RB target. But I wouldn't go crazy spending on him with fab if you have we'll address both types of waivers because uh, we have time i mean you, you might have probably already ran by now but i'm not using a week i'm not using a real waiver priority on him if i have it yeah i agree with you there so that's the chargers chiefs here again chiefs three and a half point home favorites 54 and a half game total big story is there obviously the keenan allen injury something to watch out for one o'clock games on sunday we have the miami dolphins going into baltimore to face the ravens ravens are three and a half point home favorites just a 44 and a half game total there we watched obviously the patriots play miami miami looked really good patriots did not jalen waddle tyree kill both had good games running game didn't do much for miami they really struggled both most and Edmonds were really no-shows in that game. So if you were a fan of the Miami passing offense, at least you got your points from the two receivers there. Baltimore, again, not a huge game out of Lamar Jackson. He didn't really run the football at all, and I thought that was interesting and i've crafted my own narrative around that where he hasn't been paid yet so maybe he doesn't want to run and risk injury but he did throw for three touchdowns against the jets there so Coop, what are you looking for in this game yeah i mean there's a couple narratives there also the game anyone that watched it the game was in hand the jets didn't really ever threaten to win that game 
So they could be looking at it as well. Why run the ball with our prized asset here in a game that we don't need to? I mean, yep. we saw the Colt, the Bills do that down the stretch last year when they were cruising into the playoffs. It was a lot more Devin Singletary, a lot more running with the big boss there. So yep. could be the case as well. As far as the running game with Miami, Chase Edmonds did play more snaps. He played more pass snaps. He got more carries. So to me, he's clearly the front dog ahead of Raheem Mostert, which even if they didn't play particularly well, it's nice to see. The big... The big problem with Miami, obviously Waddle and Hill look good. Mike Gusecki did not even play half of the snaps, only 25 snaps. In fact, Durham Smythe played 38. Durham Smythe played more pass snaps than Gusecki did. So they, they the rumors were out there that Gusecki could have got traded because they needed a big inline tight end, a George Kittle type. And it looks like Durham Smythe, they like him better for that inline tight end role so Mike Gusecki honestly try and trade him but he probably is a guy that you got to drop you really can't trust him if he's not going to play half the game yeah I agree with you definitely not you certainly can't play him and that listen we were in a league where or I was at least in a, in a league where Mike Gusecki almost went undrafted he got taken in the last round people yeah. were just like we have no interest in Gusecki in this offense the Ravens running game it wasn't Mike Davis Kenny Drake was the better back but we're I think we're expecting Dobbins to be active here like all reports where Dobbins wanted to play week one the coaching staff kind of held him back I have to believe that Dobbins will probably be active in week two. Again, the team didn't run the ball well against the Jets in week one. So if Dobbins is ready at any semblance, they should probably get him out there and see what he's got. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can drop, you can safely drop Mike Davis, Justice Hill, if you were holding on to them. Clearly, Kenyon Drake was the dude. So uh, just keep an eye on what's going on there with J.K. Dobbins. Well, I would hold Drake just to see what it looks like. But if this week Dobbins comes out and he's the starter, Drake's going to end up being droppable too. And then the last thing I wanted to touch on was the Devin Duvernay situation where he scored two touchdowns, but he only played 29 snaps. This one, you, I wouldn't, again, I wouldn't go crazy adding him, but if he's out there sitting on the wire, maybe throw him on the bench, see if maybe they looked at it and said, hey, let's get this guy some more work. But to me, he's still out there returning punts, returning kicks. That's probably his role. Bateman and Mark Andrews were the guys that yeah. played the full snap shares, ran the full route. So be careful there. And of course, Isaiah Likely, a lot of hype, but then he, again, he didn't even play a half 50% snap share either. So Isaiah Likely not super viable right now either. Yeah. I mean, that's what I talked about when we mentioned this game. It was like the Ravens offense is you kind of know what's going to, what they're going to do. And the two main receivers on this team are going to be Andrews and Bateman. And it's tough to trust a second wide receiver in that group because they just don't tend to throw enough to make that guy viable. Obviously week one, Duvernay got the random two touchdown game. Bateman was able to find the end zone as well. Thankfully for those who are uh, believers in him this off season. But moving forward, I think the majority of the offense is going to come through Bateman and Andrews to the air. I'm not really saying anything people aren't already expecting there. So, and this game here. So we'll talk, let's talk about the Jets versus Browns game next, because the Baltimore Jets game is a prime example of something that happens in week one and people go crazy over it. And that's that the average snaps in an NFL game is 60 to 65 or so for each team on offense. And the team that led the league in offensive snaps last year was actually the Baltimore Ravens. They averaged 69. The Ravens this week were super efficient and only ran 56 plays they scored pretty easily and every time they did that they gave the ball back to the jets and so end up running 84 snaps so well above what's realistic for a game and what happens is you get inflated stats here so for me i think the ravens stats are probably a little under they're probably a little depressed because they should probably be running more than 60 plays and then the jets ones you might have seen a little more bulk in the stats there because they ran 84 and they're probably going to be a team that runs more like 60 a game. I agree with that. And this is not a good matchup for the Jets either. Cleveland's defense actually looked pretty good now. It was up against Baker Mayfield. Take that for what it's worth. They did give up the 75-yard touchdown pass to Robbie Anderson. But for the most of that, they were really dominating. They shut down the Christian McCaffrey for a lot of that game there as well. Cleveland, a 5.5 home favorite, a 40.5 game total, I think is also telling here. So we're not expecting a lot of points. I think Cleveland's defense is still really good. I don't think much of the Jets with Flacco and that running situation, but the running situation with the Jets, they were telling us the truth. Michael Carter is the lead running back and Michael Carter was out there for the majority of the plays and made most of the production and Brees Hall was the backup to him. Yep. That's what it looked like. You know what? It, this reminded me of the split that we used to see between Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams, where Aaron Jones is the lead back and he plays most of the start, the first snaps for drives, and he plays, he gets more carries, and then the pass work is split evenly. So what you saw was you saw Michael Carter play 50 snaps, 
Brees Hall played 38. But in terms of routes run, Brees Hall ran 27 and Michael Carter also ran 28. So the pass work split evenly. The starter gets more run work. So it, it looks a lot like what those Packers offenses look like. And that definitely leans in Michael Carter's favor, making him a guy that you can probably start in your fantasy leagues depending on the matchup. This one could be a little tough. You might want to look elsewhere, but you might not have other options. Yep, I agree with you 100% there. So this isn't going to be an overly exciting game. You mentioned, though, Donovan Peoples-Jones had a high target share there in week one. So what are your... uh, Nobody seems to care. Nobody seems to care that he got 11 targets, right? Like, wh- why Why isn't that interesting to people? Why are I'm not seeing him on the radar in very many waiver wire articles, maybe because he wasn't super efficient with them. But, I mean, he played more snaps. He played the same exact number of sta- snaps and ran the same exact number of routes as Amari Cooper. They basically had both the guys on the field for the majority of the pass plays. And, I mean, I don't see why that isn't interesting to people. So, for me, Donovan Peoples-Jones should absolutely be on folks' radar, especially going into playing the Jets this week. Yep, I agree with you there. Next game up on the state, we have the Washington Commanders against Detroit Lions. Lions are giving one and a half points as a home favorite. Detroit, a home favorite. 49 and a half game total here. Lions offense look good. Swift looked really good there. I'm on Ross St. Brown, found the end zone. Chuck looked good. Are we believing in this Lions offense, Jamal Williams vulturing touchdowns. What are your thoughts here as they run up against this commander's defense? I mean, the Lions have always on paper had a good offense outside of the quarterback, right? Like the offensive line's great. The wide receivers are coming around, especially if Jamison Williams can come back and uh, be the guy they drafted him to be. And then great running backs. It's the defense that's bad. And that's why that's how you lose games 38 to 35. But in fantasy football, I don't really care if the Lions win or lose. I don't care about this winning culture they've built where they still actually don't win games but they're thinking real hard about hey, we're it we're right? really fun to watch but we're gonna lose at the end so <laughs> exactly yeah but you know what if they can build a defense over the next year or two then they're gonna be right in it get a quarterback so i'm interested in these guys i'm interested in chark hawkinson obviously i'm on Russell brown with 12 targets just be careful with a guy like that super low a dot player average depth of target so even though he had 12 targets, he only had 64 yards. So what in the games where he doesn't get 12 targets, you can imagine what those stat lines might look like. But, you know, obviously 12 targets is 12 targets. On the other side of the ball, Washington, definitely in- interesting work from all three wide receivers, right? Terry I was McCormick. find my, my text to you about Curtis Samuel from over the summer. Yeah. When I was stuck in Boston traffic, just thinking about fantasy football and thinking about receivers and players who maybe anybody's not talking about. And I texted you, I was like, are people just forgetting about Curtis Samuel? Because he was someone that everybody was talking about last year, reuniting with Ron Rivera and all these things. Then he got hurt and missed the most of the year. And I felt like maybe he was just being forgotten. Well, they're remembering him now. They're remembering him now, for sure. And the thing with Curtis Samuel is that typically I would look at this game and I would say, okay, we got a pretty even targets. But Terry McLaurin was running 18-yard average depth of target routes. Jahan Dotson running 16-yard routes. And Curtis Samuel running... 1.3 yard routes. So typically I look at that and lean into the other guys, but Curtis Samuel got a couple carries. And when we saw Ron Rivera with Curtis Samuel last time they were together, 2020, last year, Curtis Samuel missed like the whole season. Curtis Samuel had 40 carries for 200 yards and two touchdowns. And that's the difference a lot of times between a guy like that being a wide receiver three or being a wide receiver two. Curtis Samuel snuck into the wide receiver two with that usage. So I'm honestly interested in all three of these guys if I can get them on waivers or just stash them on the bench at the right price or even start them in deeper leagues. Logan Thomas also was eased back in, but you know he was out there, ran 31 routes. Yeah. You know, we'll have to see if he gets ramped all the way back up to the point where he was at before, playing 100% of the snaps. But for the time being, he's a guy you got to stash too. Yeah, I put him in DFS lineups this past week, Logan Thomas. He was Nobody played him. He was less than a percent rostered, but he's $3,000. So I put him in there and he ended up coming through. A couple big catches there at the end helped out the fantasy production. Antonio Gibson, we talked about it on this podcast. I put him in the contrarian corner video. You have to change the way you're thinking about Antonio Gibson now. Brian Robinson is not in the picture at the current moment, which means Antonio Gibson's a lead running back. And what did I say as well? The, there's mm-hmm. a, an idea that J.D. McKissick's the third down back. They throw to J.D. McKissick, but they throw to Antonio Gibson as well. He had 42 catches last year while dealing with that injured shin. What happens? Week one, seven catches and leads the team in rushing. I mean, Carson Wentz could be a check down king. You mentioned he threw a lot of short passes to Samuel, seven passes to Antonio Gibson. I don't know. I think in Gibson, Gibson's got to be 
on the forefront of people's minds. I understand that he's not like available anywhere, but I think you have to, I mean, you have to start him. If you were questioning whether or not to start him last week, because you weren't sure what he's going to be doing, he's an every week starter moving forward. Yep. Absolutely. You got to start that guy if you have him. And the big problem for him the past couple of years is pass blocking, right? Like 2020, he graded outside the top 100 backs. His grade was 21.5 out of 100, which is atrocious. The next year, we graded 45, which was also still outside the top 100. This week, came out, had a great game. His pass blocking grade was 78.3. Didn't let up a single pressure. Didn't have any penalties. That's always been the problem for this player. And if he's not going to have problems with that, he's going to continue to play on pass downs. He played on more he played on 30 pass downs jd mckissick played on 22 so if that's happening right now i mean antonio gibson has to be in the rb1 range and i think a lot of people forget that last year on the season antonio gibson finished as an rb1 like yeah. technically he was for a thousand yards rushing right would he have like 300 400 yards receiving like he's the real deal Right. And so, yeah, I mean, so Brian Robinson, there are reports that he could potentially be back by week five. Maybe there was a little damper on it, but, you know, you have at least three more games where this guy's locked into your lineup. And if he's running, if he's looking as good as he's looking, who's to say that he doesn't keep that job? And Robinson becomes more of a change of pace power back and not necessarily the initial role that many expected coming out of camp. So, yeah, uh, something to continue to pay attention to. Jahan Dotson, are you? Yeah, I mean, he played a decent snap share. He looked good. And the thing is, he's a rookie, too. So when you're a rookie and you come out and you have games like this, it only speaks towards the future. Because go back and look at the rookie years for Odell Beckham Jr. and Mike Evans. Like they didn't exactly flash like crazy in the first couple games. It was a bit of a slow build as the team realized, hey, we have something special here. And if this guy's going to come out and score two touchdowns in his first game, maybe they start saying, hey, you know what? This guy deserves to play every snap. This guy deserves to to get those looks. Let's keep feeding him the, the ball until it's not working so that's the way i look at it with a guy like that so definitely worth a stash there especially considering he's running he's playing flanker opposite terry mccord running full a full route tree yep next matchup indianapolis colts going into jacksonville to face the jaguars jacksonville plus four home underdogs 46 and a half game total here i think for me the story of jacksonville was the running back situation we talked about it again on this podcast last week I was terrified about Travis Etienne. Anytime coaches talk about how versatile a guy is, how they can use him in a bunch of different situations, he can line up there, he can run the ball if we need him to. All oh, yeah. To me, I said it screams, it means inconsistency. It means they don't have a role for him. I want a guy that has an actual job on the team. James Robinson was the running back for the Jacksonville Jaguars in week one. And Etienne, they... Yeah, they moved him around, but there was a lot of inconsistency with his production because of it, and that's what I worry about moving forward, that this is what type they were going to get out of ATN. Now, he'll make big plays, and he'll have good weeks, but I think week to week, James Robinson is a running back to play in Jacksonville. Yeah, I mean, you got double the carries, right? It's, it is concerning for sure. James Robinson is the guy you want right now, especially because of the pass snaps were split. Maybe ETN got a couple extra ones, but, you know, the work wasn't that great and james robinson clearly preferred on the ground he's preferred in goal line situation so yeah. that's the guy you want and then from a pass catching standpoint essentially they had they ran 11 personnel it was christian kirk in the slot zay jones and marvin jones out wide evan ingram at tight end this week christian kirk zay jones clearly the top two targets yep. i'm still holding on to evan ingram just to see if maybe it's a little more spread out he did get four targets and also he had a play that a pass where he was open and the defender just wrapped him up pass interfered and that probably obviously would have been another target hard to say with evan engram whether it would have been a catch right? I was say, yeah. are you just rocking that down as a catch no 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 you, you can't well i mean he was open if you watch the play like he was open but yeah. you with if it was a different player i'd mark it down as a catch but with evan engram you can't really just mark him down as catches because he's had issues with that in the past. But we'll have to say one more. I'm going to give it one more week because he did run 40 of 50 routes, only pass block twice. He was he only ran run block eight times. So basically, they were just using him in the. Did they play week. any other tight ends? Like, was anybody else like threatening that position for him? No, they have the other tight ends. So Chris Manhurts played 25 snaps, but he only ran two routes. Sure. So basically, they were using a blocking tight end. So Evan Ingram played 50 snaps, 40 of them. 42 of them were pass plays, 40 of those he ran a route. So the usage was what you would expect. Dan Arnold only played 11 snaps, not really, not a factor. So from that standpoint, Engram has the job, but again, he needs to be a top two target of the team. If it's going to be Christian Kirk and Zay Jones, he's not going to have the upside that that we thought he might. But yeah, I'm not uh, surprised by the Kirk and Jones thing. We talked about it all offseason. They paid them the most right. money. So like, exactly. Well, that's, yeah, yeah, follow that's, the dollar that's signs. Why, like, 
That's why Ingram was a tight end 20 off the board and not tight end 10. Exactly. Cold side of things. It was as expected, right? Michael Pittman had a monster game. Jonathan Taylor had a monster game. Anything surprise you? No, I feel real bad. Well, actually, there was one surprise. Well, not to me because it's what I was hoping would happen. I got Kylan Granson in a couple dynasty leagues. But uh, Mo Cox and Kylan Granson each played 50 snaps. But Kylan Granson... Ran thirty, ran thirty routes, only blocked on one pass play. Moeli Cox, he only ran twenty-one routes, blocked on six pass plays. So that pass block percentage is going to be way outside the numbers where we want it to be. So Moeli Cox can be dropped. Colin Granson, again, this was one of those games where they played ninety-two snaps. The Colts, so you have to take a lot of those stats with a grain of salt. They're not going to play ninety snaps every week, but you know, still interesting a little bit. The Colin Granson there. And then you got to feel bad for Alec Pierce, man. Tough rookie showing. Drops drops a wide open touchdown pass right on the hands. Hopefully he can bounce back. Seems like a pretty good dude. But yeah, that's pretty rough. What the was first the Paris game. Campbell snaps looking like? Paris Campbell played a ton. Paris Campbell played 71 of 92 snaps. Michael Pittman played 90 of 92 snaps and ran a route on 55 of 56 pass plays. That is like top notch usage right there. Yeah, that's, a, that's quite a good handle. But again, it was a great matchup for him. It's a great matchup. The Colts offense is going to be one of the more popular plays in DFS this weekend. Uh, you should be obviously suiting them up in your seasonal lineups if you have them. Tampa Bay versus New Orleans. Buccaneers against the Saints. Saints getting two and a half points here as a home underdog. 44 and a half game total. We got news obviously just before we started recording that the Saints signed Latavius Murray to their practice squad. Alvin Kamara came out of that game with a rib injury. We don't really know the severity of it, but it's obviously not great optics. For if your team is then going and signing a running back like Latavius Murray to the practice squad, maybe we're getting closer and closer to Kamara missing this week. Still plenty of time. We're only here recording on Tuesday evening, so we'll see what happens. But optically, Kamara injury, Latavius Murray now back in the fold potentially. Yeah, Kamara had a very brutal game script. Now that we know that the uh, now that we know what the injury situation is, it makes more sense that he only played 38 of 61 snaps. Usually plays more than that. He was asked to, he was also asked to pass block 11 times and he really struggled in pass blocking. He let in three pressures on the 11 times there. One sack, two hurries, just had easily the worst pass blocking day of any back. And when you got into a rib injury maybe that is a little more difficult but we're used to seeing him not really having to do that as much running more routes could be as a result of them losing to ron armstead this offseason they they might need to ask the backs to stay in and contribute a little more so across the board between the injury and the usage little worrying for alvin Kamara. a little worrying for the entire uh, saints offense if you're a fantasy manager is the Taysom hill again mm-hmm. being involved the tight end eligible Taysom hill running out of the wildcat and running for touchdowns this is really something we're gonna have to worry about huh hate that man i hate it dude it's such a vulture on this offense it's just such a drain and again it's something that it's gonna hurt james winston it's gonna hurt all the running backs i mean it's just not ideal but the interesting thing about the tight ends is that adam trotman is like dust he played 25 snaps only ran four routes this guy was asked to pass block more than go out for passes so you can drop him in dynasty if you were holding on Juwan Johnson quietly played the second most. He actually tied Chris Olave to lead the league in pass snaps. He played more than Jarvis Landry, more than Michael Thomas, ran 34 routes. Interesting in that sense, but because of Taysom Hill and because they have three good wide receivers, he's not as interesting as he would be in another situation. Like you need a combination of the usage, the talent, and the opportunity. And Juwan Johnson is getting the usage, but... The problem is the opportunity. So something to keep an eye on, given the uh, given the amount of routes and playing time he had. But again, you can't rank him ahead of Alave, Landry, and Michael Thomas or Alvin Kamara. Right. So it makes him useless for us. Yeah, you know? Jarvis Landry, a big day. It was like 7 for 110 or 113, I think it was. Uh, receiving Michael Thomas, slow start. Uh, comes on with 5 for 57 and two scores. Jameis Winston, a big second half. So the, the Saints offense did nothing in the first half. Came back against uh, Atlanta in the second half, and everybody started looking good. That offense has some firepower behind it if they start clicking, so watch out. Bucks side of things here, Chris Godwin's going to miss a couple weeks with a hamstring injury. Just got him back, caught a couple passes, looked good, immediately gone. Allows opportunities for Julio Jones, Russell Gage to step up. Mike Evans got a touchdown. Lenny Football, Leonard Fournette, ran all over that Dallas defense. 
Leonard Fournette played more snaps than, which you rarely see this. The running backs usually rotate. He played more snaps than any of the position players, more than Mike Evans. They even. have nobody Four. to rotate him in with. That's why I love Leonard Fournette so much this offseason. Look who they're – everybody's like, oh, Rashard White. I'm like, Tom Brady doesn't play with rookies, man. He just doesn't no. do it. Keyshawn Vaughn was inactive, right? He, they had uh, Gio Bernard. Rashard White played a few snaps, and Leonard Fournette was on the field the entire time. That is what's going to happen until Leonard Fournette gets hurt. He's the only guy that Tom Brady trusts to be on the field next to him. Rashad White played 17 snaps. Four of them were run-blocking snaps, where it was like him and Fournette out there. Leonard Fournette played 20, 24 pass plays. Rashad White played seven. So, so much for your Rashad White is the Gio Bernard yeah. of this offense. That's just not how it's they're like doing people it. people have Leonard, every year. Tom Brady does not play with rookie running backs. It just it doesn't happen. Do I'm it. sorry. It just doesn't, he, he doesn't do it. So... Right. They didn't ask. They didn't ask Rashad White to block on a single pass play. He just apparently to me that tells me that he's not trusted to do so. And when you have Tom Brady, you got to trust whoever's going to be doing that. So definitely not ideal for him. Julio Jones looked good. He looked spry. He actually he's quietly only played 32 snaps of 62, but felt like he was heavily involved, getting two carries, uh, catching some Listen, balls. Just keep the legs. For Julio, yeah. and he can be a really productive receiver still. So where he was going in drafts late, there's some good value there if you have him. There are some leagues where I, I checked earlier today. I think he was still in, in. We talk standard leagues all the time, so like ownership sometimes on these like auto drafted leagues are way different than like your home league where Julio was most likely drafted. I think he's still available in like 35 percent of leagues or something like that, and in free agency. So gotta grab check, him. Check your waiver wire if Julio Jones is flowing out there. If you're in a 10 teamer or smaller i mean no godwin gage or julio we're gonna get that bump next to mike evans yeah i said it at the beginning he's the perfect scratch ticket player where you draft him see what happens week one and if he doesn't do anything you drop him and if he does something then you keep him and this because you can start him right away and this week i mean it panned out better than we could have imagined but he played more than russell gage he played more than brashad perriman he played the second most wide receiver snaps after mike evans cameron Brate played a good number of snaps but he's cameron Brate, right Cameron Brait versus Julio Jones, not and he's not a real debate. You know what I mean? So he's the second target on this team. You got to get him and get him on your lineups. Yep, I agree with you 100% there. Next matchup, Carolina Panthers going into New York to face the Giants are two-and-a-half-point home favorites coming off their win against Tennessee. 42-and-a-half game total here. I watched that Carolina Panthers game because I had Christian McCaffrey. I had also bet the over 212-and-a-half passing yards for Baker. Baker was horrible. He looked, he was, he was terrible. He fumbled the snap like three or four times. Like the 75 yard touchdown to Robbie Anderson really saved us who bet the prop gaining all that yards that early. They weren't throwing to McCaffrey as much as I wanted them to. Baker had the rushing touchdown to save like his fantasy day. He ended up with like 19 fantasy points still, but they did not utilize Christian McCaffrey enough. We'll see if the Giants, if they're able to get anything going against the Giants, but that is discouraging if you're somebody that has some of these Panthers skill position players. Yeah, for sure. And you can always count on us to to call it like we see it. John, a notorious Baker hater, still not afraid to bet the over on a Baker Mayfield line. Yeah, yeah. If, if it's yeah, I mean, if it's if the line's the line, then you got to take it. Like the same thing with me. Like I look at these guys, Amon Ross, St. Brown, Gabriel Davis. I didn't like their ADP, but ADP doesn't matter now. Their usage is good. You got to get them in your lineups if you got them. Start them in DFS. They came out and they competed. Like we're it's this is science that we're doing here. We have our hypotheses, but you got to move on from that once we get facts. I'm willing to drop Evan Ingram next week if he doesn't come out and do things. Even though I like Evan Ingram, I'm willing to trade for Gabe Davis if he comes out has another game where he plays a full snap share. That's how we have to treat this game. You can't cling to things that you thought that would happen once things start happening. And again, Baker didn't look good, but I also know that he's capable of throwing for more than 200 yards. So that was uh, just sort of the way the betting line worked there. I was willing to take the over and I just got over there. Barely, thankfully. Again, it wasn't looking good. He had 75-yard touchdown pass, but you know, Robbie Anderson, 75-yard touchdown makes his stat line look good. DJ Moore didn't really look great. McCaffrey, again, not great. So I worry a lot about this Carolina offense. The flip side... Let me give you a twofold before we go to the Giants on DJ Moore. Just so people, anyone worried? We talked earlier about these game scripts that are irregular. Panthers only played 53 snaps. So that's going to go up. They're not, no team last year played less than, less than 59 or snow snaps a game. So that 53 snaps number is low. And DJ Moore played all 53 snaps. He ran all 35 routes. DJ Moore is going to be heavily involved. This is not what you're going to see from him. I mean, he got six targets, right? So if I drafted DJ Moore, he's in my lineup once again this week, unless I somehow 
hit on a bunch of crazy picks that are super dependable, I'm starting DJ Moore again next week. And if he plays every snap again next week, I'm going to start him every single week. Yeah, because... for sure. I'm, I'm not recommending sitting DJ Moore. I'm just saying it wasn't great, and I don't know yes. if it's going to be great. Again, right, I right. just Baker is not a good quarterback. The Giants side of things, though, right? Saquon Barkley... Every bit awesome. of Saquon that people awesome. thought he could be. If you took that, if you took that shot on him at the end of your first, early second round, I mean, home run, take your victory lap, week one. He looked amazing. Evan Neal. Evan Neal didn't even play well. Like the line didn't even play that good. Saquon was just like unbelievable. Like he was just catching the ball, running the ball, doing everything, man. Like he he is so back. And congratulations to everybody who got him in the second round. Congratulations to everybody who went out and got him this offseason in Dynasty because like he's always had that attitude that he wants to leave a lasting legacy and be one of the best players in this league. And he looked like the best player in the league this week. From that rest of that Giants side, I got to say – very concerning that Kadarius Tony only played seven snaps. <laughs> like, what is that? He Why is Richie the ball just... three times? <laughs> they would put him in there. He put him in there. He have a 19 yard run, and then they would just be like, "All right, get him out." Like, something's got to be going on behind the scenes. There's no reason for Richie James to play 42 snaps and Kadarius Tony to play seven. Like, unacceptable in my opinion. And then got to give you kudos, John, once again, our boy. Sterling Shepard proven that he can, he can talk, play. Listen, I love when we, you and I talk about things like this. We talk through the process. We explain our reasoning behind it. And then we sit down on Sunday and we watch it unfold exactly as we expected it to. So he played 71% of the offensive snaps in his first game back. Obviously tearing the Achilles last year. The biggest problem we've always talked about is that he can't stay healthy. But when he is healthy... He is consistently among the leading target men on the Giants offense. He has a target share. I looked at the last couple of years. His like target rate is around 23, 25%. His target shares like 21, 22% in the offense. He's a guy that gets out there. He gets open. Daniel Jones finds him and they make play. And then this week it, they made a 65 yard touchdown happen. Now, yeah. is that going to be every day? No, because that's not really Sterling Shepard's game to go downfield and be that type of receiver. But again, Daniel Jones is comfortable looking for him. Kenny Galladay is just out there running through the motions, it seems like. They don't have Tony on the field. Rondell Robinson's out. They have a rookie tight end. They're throwing checkdowns to Saquon. And I think as long as Sterling Shepard is healthy, he might be their leading number one target moving forward. Hopefully he can say that way. He, I wrote him up a featured article on him as a waiver wire spotlight this week. Uh, if he's on your waiver wire, I'm willing to spend some fab on him. I know... You labeled him as a priority after free agent market. And I agree. If you have like the number one waiver priority, you're not using it on Sterling Shepard. But I would, if you're in the back half or you're using fab, which everybody, please just convert to fab. Stop doing. You really should. Stop doing waiver priority order. A couple bucks on Shepard and you plug him in this week. Like you can play him this week. So I, I would, I don't mind it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's, that's the thing is that it's such different advice, the waiver priority versus the fab, because if you have the one number one waiver priority, you either need to go for Jeff Wilson if you need him or wait for a bigger fish, right? Like that priority moves you all the way to the back. It means you don't get the best player fab. You can sneak in there and get a Sterling Shepard, but you know, again, yeah, you, you can't be using that on him. So that's the system for that. And then just anybody that was stashing Daniel Bellinger to see what that looks like. He was used as a blocking tight end. He played 29 snaps, only ran seven routes in fact, Tanner Hudson ran 17 routes, even though he only played 19 snaps. So they're using some sort of dual tight end setup where Hudson is the Cameron Brait-ish, Anthony Ferkser-ish part-time pass catcher guy, and Daniel Bellinger is just a clunky blocker. He blocked on 22 of 29 snaps. So Daniel Bellinger, as of this moment, drop him. Don't need him. Don't Drop him even if you're not adding anyone. Next matchup here, we have the New England Patriots going into Pittsburgh to face the Steelers. Steelers are getting... One and a half points here. I'm not really sure about that one. And it's a 40 and a half game total. Najee Harris, obviously the injury from week one, but all systems are all reports are that he'll be ready to play here for Pittsburgh. TJ Watt injured himself, not going to be available for this game, but it wasn't as serious as they thought. They initially thought maybe he tore his pec. Turns out that wasn't the case, but he's not going to be playing in this game. The Patriots offense looked horrible. But maybe things will change, right? You, you and I, again, just before we went on, there was a local report that Robert Kraft happened to notice that Kendrick Bourne wasn't on the field for that game against Miami a lot. It turns out he had missed a players meeting and he was being benched by Matt Patricia. And Robert Kraft has made a phone call being like, no, you're putting Kendrick Bourne on the field. And now the reports are we should be expecting Kendrick Bourne to have a big role in the offense moving forward. 
Yeah, that's interesting there because, I mean, Bob Kraft is the boss, man. He's the king. So what he says goes. But, yeah, only two snaps for Bourne. Interesting there. I mean, this game could be yeah, – uh, Did he make a catch? They threw a downfield play to him. Did he make that? I yeah, I think he – Yeah, he, I think he did, but I'll double-check right now. But this game – it really is looking like it's going yeah, one, to be the one one catch forty one yards. Let's say Mac Jones yeah. threw downfield to him and he caught a forty one yard pass. Well, he played yeah. two snaps and he had that play. Yeah, Mac Jones got the back all banged up. They're starting Mitch Trubisky. Najee Harris is banged up. T.J. Watts banged up. This is definitely the front runner to me to be the worst game this week. Like this game, maybe the Jets Browns game. Pittsburgh's like, defense is going to destroy the New England Patriots. Just bad games. These are bad games. So like. The opposite of what a, a team where you'd want to stack. Like for me, Hunter Henry's usage was good. I'm not giving up on Hunter Henry just yet. He ran 29 routes, didn't pass block a single time. He lined up at wide receiver a ton, which is good to see. It's just he's a goal line guy. Like he, you're playing him hoping he scores a touchdown. And if they're going to play the way they did this week, there's not going to be a lot of touchdowns being scored. So uh, Hunter Henry, hold on to him maybe another week just to see how he looks against this team. If he's not doing anything, Maybe have to move on. For the Steelers side, kind of intriguing usage for a couple players. Number one for me would be that would really surprise me with was Chase Claypool. Although we probably shouldn't be surprised because just like 2020 Curtis Samuel, Chase Claypool had a couple rushing touchdowns in 2020 as well. And then last year he I mean then this week he comes out, he has six carries. Yeah. So if he's gonna be playing the he played 53 58 of 63 snaps, which led all wide receivers. If he's going to come out and play like that and get those carries, then Claypool definitely needs to be on your radar. George Pickens, disappointing. Pat Fryermuth, awesome. Looked good. Blocked on a couple more pass plays than I would have liked, but 10 targets is 10 targets, man. So definitely want to get Fryermuth as a guy you can start in your lineup right now if you have him. Patriots are a tough matchup, but still, I mean, like if they're going to throw it to him, that many times, it's what are you gonna do? It's you can't. There's not many guys out there even getting six or seven targets. He's getting ten. Yep, I agree with you there. Yeah, Claypool had I think a three rushing touchdown game as a rookie or something like that. That was like that was his big four touchdown performance during that game. But yeah, yeah. It's, there's not a lot here that I like. If you want to play Jacoby Myers, that's fine. He continues to actually look pretty good in this offense. And we'll see what Bourne brings to the table for New England. The running back situation, relatively split. Worth noting, though, Ty Montgomery landed on the IR today. He had the touchdown catch from Mac Jones. So somebody has to fill that role. Is it going to be Stevenson? Is it going to be Harris? Is it going to be pure strong? Like somebody's going to have to go in there and be that third down back. Yeah, it'll be it's, it'll be interesting because you would people want it to be Ramondre Stevenson, but he actually played the fewest pass snaps to any of those guys. It was Damian Harris played 11, Ty Montgomery played... 17 sorry Damon Harris played 12 but he ran 11 routes Ty Montgomery played 17 ran 11 routes and then Stevenson played six ran five routes. maybe it will be Damian Harris that's in that role maybe it will be Pierre Strong you know you never know with this with how they have that depth chart lined up or maybe it will be Ramondre Stevenson we'll have to see but Ty Montgomery is definitely out here so uh, presents an interesting opportunity for someone on that team for the sake of your Robert Edwards stat I hope it I hope Damian Harris doesn't become the first running back in New England it's a good uh, stat. Yeah, uh, he could. To, to be the lead back and the lead pass catching back. He could ruin that stat. Did he? How many receptions did he get this week? Did he have? He had two. So that would put him on pace. The, <laughs> the numbers are 200 plus carries and 35 plus receptions. So, but the thing is, I think he only got nine carries. So yeah, maybe the stat will stay in, intact, but I'm interested to see who gets that pass work. Yep. 4 p.m. games. We have the Atlanta Falcons going into L.A. to face the Rams. Rams are giving 10.5 points here. It's a 47.5 game total. A lot of stories, I think, coming out of this one because the Rams looked awful. Allen Robinson was just not at all involved in the offense. Cam Akers, non-existent in week one. It was uh, Henderson was the lead running back there. Cooper Cup looked exactly like he did last season, dominated in that matchup against Buffalo. I thought, I was worried. We talked about it. I was worried about the arm of Stafford. I felt like that that tennis elbow, that throwing elbow, they managed him during the preseason and during training camp. And he came out and I don't know if you agree or disagree, but it felt like at times that, that arm just didn't have the strength it needed to make some of those throws. Yeah, definitely. I mean, in terms of the guys he targeted, he clearly was going for low A dot options with Cooper Cup, Tyler Higby taking the low hanging fruit. So you saw a lot of clips of Allen Robinson getting open, and it was either a situation where Stafford was getting rid of it too quickly before it developed, or he just wasn't willing to push it down there. But they're not going to, like, teams are will use this cover two shell 
to contain you. They do it to the Bills. They do it to the Chiefs. And the Bills did it to them this weekend. And uh, Stafford took the bait. You can't just dump it down the entire game. That's what the Lions did last year when they won three games. Like, you have to push it down the field. Teams aren't going to respect that otherwise. So I'm way more concerned about Cam Akers than I am Allen Robinson. Allen Robinson played 65 of 67 snaps. He put, ran 49 of 51 routes. Cam Akers only played 12 snaps. Yeah. Uh, Daryl Henderson played 55. Daryl Henderson is in your lineup. Cam Akers should be nowhere near it. That's where we're at. That's the world we live in. Yeah, they think Mouvet said that Akers has to make the most of these opportunities when he's on the field. Not what not you want to hear there at all. And obviously, listen, that's the, we talked about a guy earlier that came off a of torn Achilles and didn't Robinson, right? James Robinson tore, didn't he tear his Achilles? Or was that, what was his injury? James Robinson came off an Achilles, yeah. Yeah, right. And he looked great. Sterling Shepard, torn Achilles. He looked great. Cam Akers can't get on the field coming off of his torn Achilles. So different ways guys recover from the injuries is always something to monitor there. Falcon side, Cordell Patterson, I guess it, I guess that's what's happening. Cordell awesome. Patterson, running back, is a real thing. I mean, it, sometimes, I mean, I've, you very rarely see stuff like this where these guys, like, at the age 30, just come out and change their role position completely, and now he's great. But, I mean, he looked good. He got 22 carries, which is all you can really ask for. So, Cordell Patterson is a guy that needs to be in your lineup every week. I mean, Rams, not a great matchup, but who else you got? That's it, right? What else do you have? What are your thoughts on Kyle Pitts? Dude, Kyle Pitts, super scary usage this week. You not like the reason we were drafting Kyle Pitts so high is because last year he was basically used as a wide receiver, right? 72% of his routes were run from wide receiver. Arthur Smith did not use him as a wide receiver. He used him like a tight end. And that is not good for fantasy football. Kyle Pitts played on 35 pass plays, which is good. He played on 35 of 39 pass plays, which is what you want, except he was asked to stay in and block on seven of them. That's 20%. The stat, for anyone that read What Makes an Elite Tight End, the article that I that just I took every tight end stat I had and put it together, very rarely do guys over 15% crack the top five. There's been one in the last like 10 years or so it was George Kittle in 2016, and he scored like three 70-yard touchdowns. So even that was anomaly season, if you really think about it. Nobody's doing it at 20%. And he was exactly 20%. So every one of every five pass plays, Kyle Pitts was told to stay in and not run around. That, I mean, there's an, Arthur Smith, there's other guys on the team that can do that, right? Like why isn't Parker Hess or Keith Smith doing that so that Kyle Pitts can play wide receiver? I really need to see a change in usage. Otherwise, Pitts is, I mean, if you drafted him in the third round, you're starting him from here until week 14 when he has a bye week. But it's just, his usage was not what we wanted to see. Very disappointing. Seattle Seahawks, San Francisco 49ers. 49ers giving nine and a half. Seattle coming off that big win over Denver in week one. Some news here as we're recording. Marlon Mack is signed with the 49ers. That will be, I think that's an interesting little wrinkle given that Elijah Mitchell is now on the IR. Everybody, of course, is expecting Jeff Wilson. Speaking of running backs coming off of Torn Achilles, Marlon Mack. We'll see how the 49ers running back situation shakes out. They have Mason. Tyrion Davis-Price was inactive in week one. Likely is going to be active for week two. What are your thoughts on the 49ers here? I mean, Jeff Wilson, I've seen in this offense, on this team, running behind Trent Williams, have 100-yard games. I saw him have a 170-yard game once championship week a couple years ago. So Jeff Wilson is a guy I'm interested in. He knows the playbook. He knows the scheme. Marlon Mack's not going to show up today and be ready to play 50 snaps on Sunday. So for the time being, I'm going with Jeff Wilson. You just have to worry. Anytime guys get added, it is a hot hand offense. So if a guy comes out, makes some plays, Shanahan's not scared. Now, on the flip side of that, the fact that they are adding people proves that they think Eli's going to be out for a while. So yeah, it could actually, IR, so. Yeah, it could actually be a bonus. For Jeff Wilson, I heard them talking in terms of months, not weeks, with Elijah Mitchell. So, Yep, I agree with you there. Seahawks, are they able to repeat what we just saw out of them there in, a, in week one against Denver? Yeah, some more breaking news. Geno Smith, dog. Yeah. Like, what was that? Came out, completed 10 of his first 10 passes. He needed a little help, obviously, to beat his to beat Russell Wilson's team. I needed a couple goal line fumbles. Needed maybe a worst a, coaching uh, decision in a long time to kick a 64-yard field goal. Yeah, you needed, he needed a little help, but at the same time, it wins a win. So good for him. Gino seems like a good dude, so I'm rooting for him. Do I think the Seahawks are going to be that good of a team? No. Does Vegas think they're going to be that good of a team? I mean, you just said the line was minus 9.5, was it not? Yeah. 10.5. So. 9.5, you're right. You're right. 
So Vegas is no. Vegas is a no. The over under is 42. So that implies that the Seattle is not going to do pretty much anything. So not great. But I think you still, if you drafted Metcalf, you drafted Lockett. You did so for a reason. They played their roles. They're going to be out there. So you start them. Rashad Penny, John, what do you think? Two catches yesterday, Coop. What are your thoughts? Dude, that's what I, the thing is. People are like, look at that. And they're like, two catches. That's not good. I look at that and I'm like, dude, that is exactly <laughs> what you want to see for Rashad Penny. He's never had catch base. That's what I mean. He's never had more than 10, <laughs> right? Like one catch, it would actually be, would put him on pace to obliterate his current career high, right? Like 10 is the career high. He would be on pace for 17. So two catches on three targets. Shard Penny looking like the man. I didn't think he was going to be give that role, but he has it. And if you picked him, great pick. Yep, uh, I agree with you. Cincinnati Bengals, Dallas Cowboys. Dallas getting seven and a half here, 43 and a half over under. Dak Prescott, hand injury. They didn't put him on IR. Jerry Jones believes he'll be back in the four weeks. So good news if you have Dallas. Skill position players, you just got to wait a little bit. But Dallas is already getting banged up. Yeah, it's every year with a couple teams, right? Dallas is one. The Ravens are another. Chargers have been another where they just can't seem to avoid the injuries. Ravens, once again, just to mention it quick, they lost a couple serious players. They lost their left tackle, Juwan James, for the season and Kyle Fuller toward ACL. So once again, Ravens injuries. And then once again, Cowboys injuries. They lost Tyron Smith right before the season. They lost their quarterback just now. Pretty nasty stuff. Michael Gallup still banged out. I'm, I'm was an inactive Jalen Tolbert was an inactive, which not great for Dynasty Dynasty fans there. So CeeDee Lamb played the whole game. He's the top dog. Noah Brown is going to play split end, which matchup dependent could be kind of interesting more as a DFS throw, right? Then they played Semi Fahoko, who's a six-round pick, and Dennis Houston, who is not really on my radar much. Kevontae Turpin was the exciting guy this offseason running back kicks and punts, but he didn't really play. So not super exciting there. I think it's CeeDee Lamb. And Dalton Schultz, that you like. Dalton Schultz played every single snap, ran 47 and 49 routes. He's looking like a great play, right, if you got him. So it's just a matter of can whatever they roll out a quarterback, Cooper Rush, or if they sign somebody, can they can they deliver anything worthwhile? And everyone's going to hurt from it. Zeke, Pollard, everybody. Yep. Cincinnati, T. Higgins left that game with a concussion. We'll see what his status is going to be like, obviously, as the week moves on. Tyler Boyd, though, caught a touchdown pass. We talk about this all the time, right? Like, Tyler Boyd, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, is there a better trio in football? Boyd is, an, is a wide receiver one when given the opportunity to be. So he stepped right up and had a decent game there. Joe Mixon, I think, is going to be in for a good one. The way we saw Leonard Fournette run over Dallas, maybe that's the way to attack them. What are your thoughts on the Bengals team here? Yeah, Joe Mixon is going to have fun on the ground. And then when they ask him to pass block, it's going to be horrible because Mike, Mike Parsons is terrifying, dude. Like that it's guy. Like Brady it, twice, yeah. Yeah, he is a scary dude, man. He's everywhere. That was a good pick for the for the Cowboys. Now, this is one where I will caution people running to the wire to add Tyler Boyd and Hayden Hurst. The, uh, like I said before, 60 to 65 snaps is the average. This team played 100, 100 flat snaps this week in a overtime game. So Hayden Hurst, yeah, he ran well, something like something insane, like 50, 52 routes or something like that. He's not going to run 52 routes he didn't even that's not even 52 routes isn't even that amazing considering they dropped back 71 times like he kind of he only had a 72 percent utilization rate where compared to like 90 for mark andrews so pump the brakes on some of these guys if t higgins misses time then you start tyler boyd maybe start hayden hurst but it's a concussion so he might be back for this week if t higgins is back then i'm back to the situation where I start Jamar Chase, I start T. Higgins, and I start Tyler Boyd if I have to, and I'm not super duper interested in Hayden Hurst as low upside play. He's a touchdown dependent play. Yep, I agree with you there. Houston going into Denver here. Denver given nine and a half, a 45 and a half game total. I mean, again, I think Denver bounces back here after that tough way they went down against Seattle. Javante Williams looked fantastic, very involved in the run in the passing game. I, I didn't expect that many dump offs from Wilson here to Javante Williams, but really helped the value both. Gordon and Williams fumbled the ball at the goal line, so that's the look there. Judy had a big day with that big monster touchdown catch as well, and Sutton eventually came around. So all the guys in Denver that you wanted to score points eventually scored their points, and now they're home against a much easier matchup against Houston. Yep, usage is good. I mean, Denver, let's be real. Denver could have easily won this game by two scores. Two fumbles in the red zone, it happens. And one of the players came out after and said that he feels better about this team 0-1 right now than he did about the team last year when they were 3-0. So 
the players still believe. The fans got to get on on board. Sutton and Judy played the whole game. Perfect usage for both of them. You want to start them wherever you have them. And then Javante and Melvin Gordon both played great. Javante is getting the passing down work. Melvin might have got some of the goal line work. I mean, it could be. I mean, think about it the way we think about the Lions. Even if Jamal Williams is going to come in and vulture a touchdown every once in a while, we still love DeAndre Swift. He looked amazing, and he caught a ton of passes. That's what Javante is looking like here. Looks amazing. Caught a ton of passes. You're starting him everywhere. You start Melvin if you have to, too, because he played his share. He got more carries than Javante. We have got the first crack at the red zone. If Javante didn't come out and fumble his, then maybe it would have been the full tide turn. But they both did it, so still probably a bit of a split. Yeah, Houston side of things. What do you thought? Houston, Rex, Rex Burkhead. Burkhead, 70-30 yeah. snap split. Love it. I, I was forced against my will to draft a hero RB team with Jacob Sanderson and Kevin Tompkins on the lightning round podcast, a high stakes team. And we did draft Rex Burkhead. That was one of the guys I was pounding the table for when we were picking from the leftovers, 50 snaps out of 70 phenomenal. Damian Pierce only played, what was it? 20 out of 70. Yikes. He only played five. He only ran five routes. Rex Burkhead ran 26. And the game script is going to lean towards whoever is getting that running role. i oh, sorry, the passing role. So give me Rex Burkhead. I will say OJ Howard, fool's gold. Be careful with that. He only ran six routes. And sometimes when you have a guy like that, the defense is just, it, they don't care about him, right? They're not like, they're not like making sure that you're covering the third tight end, the guy that, you know, isn't playing. Farrell Brown played 46 snaps, ran 15 routes. Brevin Jordan played 42, ran 25 routes. OJ Howard played 12, ran 6. Now, maybe he will get ramped up, but you definitely aren't starting him this week. If you're adding off him off waivers and starting him, you might be in a world of hurt. Yeah, I agree with you 100% there. Next matchup, we have Arizona Cardinals going up against the Las Vegas Raiders, giving 5.5. 51 and a half game total here. Got to figure out what's going on with the injury situation in Arizona. Obviously, Rondell Moore did not play last time. Ertz did get active and he scored a touchdown. Hollywood Brown was decent in his debut for Arizona. James Conner scored a touchdown. What are your thoughts on this matchup here? I said it to you before the show. Greg Dorch did a better job being Rondell Moore than Rondell Moore does. Like, Greg Dorch looked really good. He had a bunch of targets. He ran 44 routes, which was the same number as Marquise Brown. Now, A.J. Green didn't play a full snap share, but he's out there. Ertz didn't play a full snap share, but he was out there plenty. Nobody else interests me in terms of the pass catchers. No Andy Vizabella, Max Williams, any of that stuff. The real question is just whether Greg Dorch can maintain any sort of role moving forward or if Rondell's just going to take that back. But now, in terms of running backs, John, how are you feeling? James Conner, and do you think Benjamin has any utility at all? No, I only want Conner. I'm not playing yeah. any other running backs. Agreed. Yep, James Conner, he, he played... Yeah, he played exactly the role you'd want him to play. And he's going to have good games when the team has good games. Yep, I agree with you. Raider side of things, Devontae Adams showed up. Devontae Adams got 17 targets. So that's what we're going to be looking at for Devontae Adams in this offense. Awesome. Exactly what you wanted to see. That's why Devontae Adams went there, signed that big contract. He said, I have a mark to leave on. The quotes he made was like, I have a mark to leave on this game. I want to leave a legacy. He's like, no offense to Jordan Love, but like I want to put myself in a position to to succeed and uh, play for a while. So hopefully you were heeding his words in your dynasty leagues because it looks like Devontae Adams plans on being Devontae Adams for years to come. Darren Waller played, his usage was great. Like the underlying stats for, for what he did out there, not just running the routes, like he played 49 of 58 snaps, ran 36 of 44, but he actually lined up at wide receiver 89.5% of the snaps where they ran a pass play, which is like second, like the only people that ran higher were Mark Andrews at 93.9. And technically Isaiah likely when he was out there, he was using like the slot, but he didn't play a full snap share, but like no one's even close to Darren Waller and Mark Andrews in terms of playing wide receiver right now. That's a beautiful thing for fantasy football. And he got more targets than Hunter Renfro, which was the deciding factor. So Darren Waller's going up in the rankings. Uh, honestly, I'm putting him ahead of Kyle Pitts. Yeah, uh, I think that's interesting. Uh, what are your thoughts on this matchup for Waller, though? Right last week, you were touting uh, Isaiah Simmons. Travis Kelsey goes out there, has a big game. Interested at all in Waller here, or are you still worried about that matchup? Isaiah Simmons looked terrible. Awful. Like, the... If anyone was on Twitter, type Isaiah Simmons' name in there, and Cardinals fans are calling for his head. So I'm not sure if he just had a bad game or if maybe he's not the guy that we thought he was. 
but he got turned around quite a bit. So I'm actually not as worried for Darren Waller as I would have been. Maybe Isaiah Simmons did not get any help either. No, he did not. Josh Jacobs running back. It's his job. He's the lead guy there. See how he works out with the passing game. If they decide to throw to him at all. But you know, those who are worried about Jacobs, I think you're, you're fine. We thought that Amir Abdullah might be the third down back. He didn't really play. And then yeah, Bolden scored, right? Like but he, but he got hurt. Brandon yeah. Bolden got hurt. Yep. So I think Bolden's, and he's probably not going to play. So not great for anyone that was trying to sneak a pass down back from this team. It's definitely uh, Josh Jacobs. Yep. Sunday night football game. Chicago Bears go into Green Bay to face the Packers. We're giving nine and a half. It's a 42 and a half game total. I'm willing to throw pretty much everything out the window for the Bears first game. Same for the 49ers for the most part when they played in that really tough game conditions here. I'm willing now to see what this offense looks like. You know, Komet and Mooney were almost on factors because you couldn't throw the football. Montgomery had a really bad game. Herbert did vulture some goal line touches and scored so those are certainly things to pay attention to with the uh, running attack but with better weather expected in green bay here i think we're going to get a better look at what this bears offense is capable of yeah i'm throwing this one out the window for these guys i mean cole Komet, he only blocked on one pass play it's just they didn't pass much like he was out there played the second most snaps behind only moondog he's gonna be he's gonna be okay so if you drafted cole Komet, we warned you before the game that it's going to be a terrible setup it's a fred warner's a good cover t- covered a linebacker, he pretty much made Cole Komet a non-factor, but don't drop him. If you can add somebody like a Gerald Everett or any sort of placeholder for the time being to start, just to keep an eye on Komet, then go ahead. But I mean, I'm there's a lot of leagues where I'm just going to start him because I think that this the this game was just, it was, I hate to use the pun, given the rain and the mud, but it was a wash. All right. Yep. Packers, running back situation. If you're an Aaron Jones manager, you're... You're wondering what's going on. Not pleased. You would be not pleased, but at the same time, he he played all the past snaps. So now we're seeing what it is. It's not an even split. It's Aaron Jones playing 29 pass plays and A.J. Dillon only playing 19. But it's Aaron Jones getting 10 carries and uh, it's A.J. Dillon getting 10 carries and Aaron Jones getting five. And it's it seems like they've uh, drawn a line in the sand there. So Aaron Jones is going to have his games but it's not his show with a backup now. It seems like it's 1A and 1B, and they have clearly defined roles. Well, Dylan had more catches and targets than Aaron Jones as well. So, like... But, yeah, but at the hilarious. end of the day... Right, at the end of the day, though, like, if you were to take a big sample size and look at the actual guys that play the snaps versus the ones that, in a smaller sample size, get the targets... Not necessarily over the larger sample size, the guy who plays more is going to get more targets. So I don't know if that's going to hold true, but it did happen this week and you got to be pretty worried about yeah, it. Listen, they um, use a second round pick on AJ Dillon. That's all I'm going to yeah. say. And LaFleur is uh, definitely a big fan of what Dillon can bring to the table. So uh, sure. the running back situation remains on watch. Wide receiver situation with, Pat, with the Packers until Lazard gets back. I don't think we really know what's going to happen there. Dubs, obviously four for 37. He had a 23 yard catch. Christian Watson, Stat line could have been better. He dropped what would have for sure been like a 70-yard touchdown. Instead, he finishes with two for 34. Uh, Tunyon had five targets, three for 36 out of him. Sammy Watkins was a no-show. Randall Cobb, two for 14 for him. So Packers passing offense here against Chicago. Good luck to all the sneaky DFS lineups. Sammy Watkins' week one memes didn't really pan out. And that Watson drop, John, I mean – between him and Alec Pierce, I don't know which one was worse. Alec Pierce's was in the end zone, but Watson's was, there was nobody in sight, right? That no, is just. He's a burner too. Like he would have caught that. Someone, somebody said that everybody who wants Christian Watson be the Devontae Adams replacement just realized he was the MVS replacement. Oh, I thought that, that was a tough that tweet. Is, that was a tough that's tweet. That's a tweet right there. Yeah, yeah, that's brutal. Yeah, I mean, they spread the ball out. I don't know, man. Looked pretty bad. The Vikings won that game pretty decisively. So this will be a good bounce back situation, though. They, they're 10, nine and a half. Was it nine and a half favorites yeah. over the Bears? Yep. Yeah, All so right. we'll see. We got two Monday night football games for whatever reason. Tennessee's know. in Buffalo. Buffalo's giving nine and a half, 49 and a half game total. Titans defense we knew was not going to be good. And then we just saw what the Giants did to them. What in the world are the Buffalo Bills about to do to this Tennessee Titans team? Yeah, I don't know, man. It's the, the thing is the Titans are the one team that that does give give the Bills trouble. So maybe it won't be as bad, but they did just lose their safety AJ Moore for the season. The Titans did, so could be in trouble here. Now, 
for the Titans, I want to ask Kyle Phillips, are you believing a little bit or what do you think? I don't know. I mean, he popped a little, he kept like popping a little bit during the preseason. Like, and people would say like Phillips was playing better than Burks. It would seem like at times, I don't really want much exposure to this passing offense. Like I, I have Burks, like I, I would rather just play Burks and wait for him to like become the best receiver on that team. than believe in Phillips or see if Woods can bounce back after his no show in week one. But this isn't an offense that we expect to throw a lot. They still have Derrick Henry. So I don't know. You want to talk, like if he does it again, sure. Because you have to be, you have to just, you're a slave to the scoreboard. So if Phillips goes out and has another big game, then sure. But, you know, he's not somebody that I'm even really prioritizing as a free agent. So No, yeah, I think you're right. The ceiling for Traylon Burks is higher than the ceiling for Kyle Phillips. Like, if Kyle Phillips is the best wide receiver on the team, that's a bad thing for yeah. fantasy football, right? Like, it's a bad know, thing it's for the Tennessee Titans. <laughs> it's another, it's another team whose best pass catcher is Hunter Renfro, a guy that is not particularly explosive. He runs fairly low A dot routes. I think A dot route A dot was like eight. So, so Burks is a stash. Robert Woods is probably he's probably gonna have better games than what he did this week. So I wouldn't drop Robert Woods just yet. He played. A ton of snaps, ran a ton of routes. And then Derrick Henry's going to be fine. Don't worry about Derrick Henry. Dontrell Hilliard catching two touchdown passes was the exception. It's not the norm. But you can be a little worried that Derrick Henry didn't catch any passes himself. What I was told this offseason that Derrick Henry's a new man. That last season before he got hurt, he was on pace to destroy his career highs. Which he was. But this year, <laughs> he did not. Yeah, he did. He was last year. But this year... He did not come out guns blazing in the pass game, though he did play more pass snaps than Dr. Hilliard, just didn't get any receptions. So something, something to think about. Yep, I agree with you there. Final game on the slate. This should be a good one here. Minnesota Vikings going against the Philadelphia Eagles, giving three 51 and a half game total here. Jalen Hurts and A.J. Brown was everything I said it was going to be. Awesome. Unbelievable. A.J. Brown is just so good, dude. And so is Jalen Hurts. You know, Jalen Hurts with that the rushing touchdown he had there, like that's why he could have legitimately that... had four or five rushing touchdowns. He had the one, he could have had four because we got like one yard runs from Gainwell, Scott and Sanders. So right. any of those could have been Jalen Hurts runs there. So yeah, if they felt like it, that's basically the situation with him. But Miles Sanders looked good, dude. Yeah. Miles Sanders looked awesome. Only 13 carries, but 96 yards. Yeah, that's that's seven... what Miles Sanders is. He's a five and a half plus yard per carry guy. <laughs> like, yeah, and he so finally he's... scored a touchdown. Look out, world, if Miles Sanders starts getting scoring touchdowns because yeah. he's going to run for a thousand yards. He's going to run for touchdowns. Still won't catch the football. But he played more pass snaps than everybody else. Play, played. 19 kenneth gamewell played 17 but gamewell was asked to block on a good number of those sanders wasn't sanders so. is the best running back on their team they just for sure that's what it is. yeah now devonta smith you worried not worried where are we at i mean not worried yet because the dude is just a ridiculous talent that it feels unlikely that all of a sudden he's just gonna get nothing but when you have aj brown this is what happens when Devontae adams goes to the raiders was gonna get 17 targets you get a number one horse receiver number one guy put him on the team He's going to get all the looks. Why? Because he gets open so often. Like, And he makes it easy for the quarterbacks. This is why I was so high on. And I understand that Jalen Hurts' completion percentage still wasn't great. He started the game like over 6. And I was like, oh no, here we go. But he didn't really target A.J. Brown at all during those earlier completions. So yeah, you look at his numbers. 56% completion percentage. 243 yards. No touchdowns. You're like, alright, Johnny didn't really throw much better. He did when he was throwing A.J. Brown. So like, Yeah, he, it was fine. Yeah, it was yeah. like... It's just an off game. What I will say for Devon Smith, he played 96% of the snaps, ran 98% of the routes. Like, there's this this will be his worst game of the season. I think so. Catching zero of four targets. So I think you got to believe that he's got more in him. And then, John, why don't you bring us in with our last team here, Minnesota Vikings. Yeah, I mean, listen, with Minnesota, we talked about it, right? We love this team because we know where the football goes. Apparently, the Green Bay Packers did not know where the football goes, though. It goes to Justin Jefferson. Mm-hmm. Jefferson was uncoverable. There was even a couple of highlights there where Jair Alexander tried to cover a man on him, and Justin Jefferson basically broke his ankles and got mm-hmm. just completely wide open. So by the end of draft season, Jefferson was going ahead of Cooper Cup in drafts. He was being taken with an ADP overall number two. I mean, he, he showed why there in week one. Right, yeah, they tried. They tried to cover with everybody, dude. Nobody was safe. He had two catches on Rosal Douglas, a catch on Eric Stokes, two on 
Darnell Savage, one for 64 yards on Savage. Adrian Amos, another free safety, two catches on him. No one could cover this guy. It wasn't just Jared Alexander. No one could cover this dude. So ended up being quite the problem for them. Adam Thielen actually spent a good amount of the day with Alexander covering him too. Like they don't really move him or it's not a shadow situation. So Thielen, I think is going to be fine. You can't throw it to Justin Jefferson like that every week. I'm sorry. Like it's you. This, he's not going to have 200 yards every single uh, week. This is so. the organization that once had the Randy ratio. But Chris Carter was still good then. So Adam Thielen played 57 to 62 snaps. He ran all 34 routes. So they 34 pass plays. He ran routes all 34 plays. That type of usage tells us that he's he's got better games to come. It's just when Justin Jefferson's doing that, there's no there's no reason to give it to anybody else. <laughs> right. Keep giving it to him over and over. Yeah. And then if they will hit a wall at some point where they got to give it to other players, though, it's not just going to be the one guy. Yeah, well, this is the Rams offense, right? With O'Connell bringing it over. And last year, they only threw to one guy. His name was Cooper Cup. So <laughs> I uh, guess they did. It's never say never. Davin Cook, 20 carries, 90 yards. Looked great. Just wasn't able to find the end zone because Justin Jefferson was finding the end zone. Kirk Cousins, 23 or 32. 277 yards and two scores, exactly what you expect out of Kirk Cousins. So no complaints with this offense. Those of you who hope that maybe KG Osborne would be involved at all, you don't have to worry about that. Three catches on four targets for him. This is just the Jefferson Thielen Cook show. That's the offense. Yep. And uh, that's the way we like it. That is the way we like it. Uh, Irv Smith as well. You can just let go of him now. Yeah, he only played 19 snaps. Johnny Munt, the blocking tight end, played double his snaps. Maybe they're ramping Irv up, so keep him in your thoughts, perhaps, in case it does turn out that they're doing the slow ramp for him. But, yeah, I mean, dude, 19 of 62 snaps, you can't start that guy. You can't. I agree with you. So that is it. That is the week two preview here for myself and Andrew Cooper, where we have a boatload of content coming out throughout the week over at Fantasy Alarm. And right now, we still have that 50% off deal going on. So I don't know how much longer it's going to be active for, but as of recording, we still have the 50% off deal for the first six months. Promo code NFL50, fantasylarm.com slash all pro. You get access to not just the NFL content, but every piece of content we have on site is covered under this package. 50% off the first six months is about 20 bucks a month for the next six months. And you get access to all of the NFL coverage, all of the college football coverage, PGA is kicking back up. NASCAR is still going on. MMA is still going on. NBA and NHL start up in early October. I mean, you can't get a better deal than getting the entire site for 20 bucks a month. And then included with all of that, you get access to our premium Discord where myself, Coop, Justin Vreeland, James Rondé, Matt Sells, Howard Bender is in there, Colby Conway, Dan Malin, Dylan Clements, Kev Tom, you name it, Dan Servidio, they're all in there answering your start sick questions answering your lineup questions, helping you guys win your leagues, your DFS contests, you name it. We're in there helping you guys out. So really no better time to get involved. Fantasyslime.com slash all pro promo code NFL 50 at checkout. You got to get to it now because that deal will not last forever. Yeah. And this is like the sports gauntlet here. So it's the perfect time to get it because we have playoff baseball DFS matchups. We have championships for NASCAR, Matt sells the three out of four time writer of the year the last four years and then basketball starting up fensty and the boys hockey starting up i mean this is the sports gauntlet the best time of year for sports and it's the 50 percent off best time of year for this package too yep i agree with you there so that is it everybody give us a follow on twitter if you want to give us any questions coop and i are there to help you out i'm at jm pemba 777 coop is at coop a fiasco and we will catch you guys next week good luck